This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. friend of mine used to say, how many would you rather be here than in jail? I always usually get a good response when I put it that way. You've got to frame your question in the best light, you know. <laughs> oh, we're so glad that you're here. We're going to be starting a, a new uh, series this month called Limiting Your Limitations. Limiting Your Limitations. You know, uh, looking at three areas of, of limitations in this series, and the first one uh, that we'll deal with today, but in indu- introducing this, there's three areas. It's Number one, it's our identity, you know, where we say, I'm not. I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I should be. I'm not good at whatever it might be, our identity. The, third, the second thing we're going to look at in this series is our ability. I can't. I can't. It's amazing to me how many Christians... That, that word comes out of their mouth, that phrase comes out of their mouth so much, I can't, I can't. And then the third thing we're going to look at in this series is our vulnerability, you know, I'm afraid or I'm hurt, I've been hurt. And anybody in here can relate to any of those things and you're in the right place. You know, limitations are both a reality and a challenge for all of us. Isn't that true? Now, I don't know whether all of them can be completely eliminated, but I do believe that in Jesus Christ, in this gospel, and in the working of God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, many of them can be, and certainly uh, they can be, as I say, limited in our limitations. That's the whole purpose of the gospel, isn't it? That Jesus came to make us whole again. That's what it's all about. It's about wholeness. Yes, it's about having your sins forgiven and going to heaven. Thank God for that. I'm glad. I'm like the little boy said, though, I I hope you're not getting up a load today. You know, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm glad for that, but I'm not ready to go today. But it's also about our relationship with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus. And in that relationship, what there comes a holding a healing and a wholeness that comes to our life that God wants to, uh, through that, that life of Jesus is lived out through us, isn't it? And He is revealed in our lives, as the Bible says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And so as we look at this, we have to understand that every one of us have limitations in these areas. And uh, even the great apostle Paul, I mean, here was a man who had seen Jesus, he had visions of Jesus, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he was a great man, even he struggled, and he talked about his struggles, uh, you know, with his limitations and his weaknesses at times, he says, I went to the Lord and talked to the Lord about it, and the Lord says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. So even Paul dealt with this, and so the good news is, is even though we may be dealing with some limitations in our life, God's grace is sufficient to bring wholeness to us and to make up the difference in those areas where I'm weak. One of the great advantages of our relationship with God is the healing and wholeness that it brings. And so we're going to look at those three areas in this series. And this morning, we want to look at identity. Because until we reach a place of understanding and wholeness in the area of our identity, there's going to be a continual struggle 
rather than a constant rest. Now, God has promised that as believers, we're to enter into His rest, aren't we? And that's not just when we get to heaven. That's talking about right now, in the old ugly here and now, that we can enter into rest. But that comes from wholeness. That comes from living in Him. If you have your Bibles there, uh, I want you, we're going to begin at the beginning, which is Genesis, the book of Genesis. And I want to uh, just say this as you're finding a place there in Genesis 1.26, that if you really want to understand the redemption that is ours in the New Testament in Christ Jesus, that you really need to have a, 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 at least a basic or a rudimentary understanding of Genesis, especially the first three chapters, because that's where God's plan, original plan for man unfolds. And you know, God's plan hasn't changed. God made man, we're going to see this, in his own image, didn't he? That's the image we're to bear. That's the root and that is the source of our identity. Now, verse 26, let me get there myself. Pages are sticking together. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now notice this, that in creation here comes our identity. Adam and Eve's identity originally came from God because what? They were created in His image, were they not? And at this time, there was nothing that separated them. There was nothing that marred the image of God. There was nothing there but a perfect relationship with God. This is what God had created them for. Then he goes on and he said, out of that identity is going to flow your purpose. And that is that you might what? Rule and reign over the earth. He talked about it here. And also he set them in Eden. He said, now I'm going to, you're going to keep and cultivate Eden. So uh, the question we would ask this morning is, because of the fall, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? We, we're familiar with that expression, aren't we? So what's defining your identity? Well, first we have to answer this question. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Well, Adam and Eve, God was their daddy. He was their papa. And they got their identity from him. And you know, here's the thing. We have to understand this, that so much of our identity our makeup as people, our personalities and our emotional makeup, so much of that comes from our parents, doesn't it? Especially from our fathers, from our daddies. And we see that Adam and Eve, they got their identity from their daddy. But so many of us, even though we're Christians, our sins have been forgiven. The Bible speaks about us, you know, uh, becoming children of God. Yet so many of us still struggle in this area because our primary identity is still connected to our earthly parents more than it is to our heavenly father. And because of that, we can have all kinds of problems. I mean, I grew up in a dysfunctional home. Anybody else here besides me? Thank you for not leaving me by myself. You know, I've shared this with you before. You know, my dad was an alcoholic. He was abusive. He couldn't keep a job. You know, 
And so, you know, most of the time when he was there, it was turmoil. And when he left, you know, we struggled. So it was either turmoil or struggle. Well, you know, that's, you know, you're going up as a, a young, impressionable boy. That's, that's your, that's your identity comes from that. That's your, the way you think about, well, that's, that's the way daddies are. Is that the way daddies are? And then you grow up most of your life, you don't even have a daddy, so you can't, you, you know, there's this void there. And I believe that's why that so many of us grew up, and even today, so many of us look for somebody to take the place of daddy. It might be a sports figure. It might be somebody in Hollywood. It might be a popular icon in the music industry or whatever it is. But many times, the reason we, 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 we look to those people and we follow those people and, you know, we want to emulate them somehow. We want to be like them, you know. It's because what? We don't have any real roots and foundation with our papa. So here's the thing I would ask you this morning. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? If you're a Christian, I got good news for you. Your daddy is the father God. Isn't that right? Now, I said that out of this identity came purpose. Came purpose. This purpose really was reflected in three ways. Number one, connected. Adam was connected to his Papa. He was connected to his purpose. So many people, you see it, they're, they're going through life and they're, they're, they're 20, they're 30, they're 40, they're 50, and even older, and they're still, they're, they have no moorings. They're, they're kind of floating around. They're trying to find their niche. They're kind of trying to find their place. They, they, they just have no peace. They're just back and forth. And many times it's because what? They never really had someone to identify with. They didn't have a daddy to identify. So there was no connection. And out of that connection, also, there came what? Effectiveness. Effectiveness. You know, uh, especially for guys, true for women too. But, you know, we need to feel like, you know, that in our purpose in life, that, you know, we're productive. You know, that our life matters. I, you know, on, on a certain level, our life matters, that we are productive, that we can be effective in whatever we do. And you know, if you read over there in Genesis 2, it says that God brought all the animals to, to, before Adam and Eve. Remember that? And it says whatever name he gave them, that was the name they had. Wow. You know, there's over a half a million bugs species. <laughs> he was pretty smart, wasn't he? Pretty sharp. He was pretty effective. He ran the garden. He took care of things. God says, I'm putting you in charge here, Adam. Man, Adam, he, had, he was, you know why? Because he, his identity was from the Father. He was doing just like the Father God did. He, what he saw his daddy do, that's what he did. Isn't that what Jesus said? Whatever I see the Father do, that's what I do. So he, he got his connection. His identity came out of his connection with his Father, his effectiveness, and also his confidence. So many, I've seen so many, especially uh, young men, but it's, it could be true for the young ladies too, that lack confidence in their life. They're insecure. They feel inferior. They feel like, man, I, I just don't, you know, I don't, I don't have any self-worth. It's an identity crisis. And I'm telling you, it's running rampant in our society and unfortunately even in the church. 
But we need to understand, you know, who's your daddy? I'm connected. If you're a believer, you can be, you're connected to the Father God. That's who your daddy is. That's who you get your confidence from. That's who you get your effectiveness from. That's who you get your identity from. And, you know, you can just rest in that, that, hey, you belong to the family, the family of God. God is your papa. God is your papa. God is your daddy. Isn't that a good thing to know? You know, so many people, even in the body of Christ, are living what I call a shame-faced life. What do I mean by that? That they are carrying all the sins, the, the hurts and the wounds, the things they saw in their parents or in their daddy. They see all those things. And, and you know, and even though we didn't have anything to do with what our dads did or what our moms did. We had nothing to do with the choices they made or anything. It's real easy to bring that into ourselves and somehow take on that, that condemnation, that feelings of, 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 of failure, that somehow, you know, we're responsible. And we can take that on ourselves. And this is one of the ways that the, the Scriptures talk about the sins of the Father are passed down. Because what happens is, is we take on that identity and we begin to feel responsible. And we take that baggage into our adult life. And, you know, lo and behold, the very thing we say, I guarantee you I'm never going to be like my daddy. I'm not going to be like my mom. I'm not going to be. And I think I, I was following Cindy around in uh, Kirkland's or something one day and uh, I saw this little, you know, how they have all these little plaques and different things if you ever go in Kirkland's, you know. And it said, uh, yes, one of them said, mirror, mirror, on the wall, I am my mother after all. <laughs> we could say the same thing. We could just plug in fathers and be the same thing. But Mother's Day is coming up, so. <laughs> but, you know, we, 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 we live that life and, you know, uh, we, 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 ha- we, we bring shame uh, gets on our life and, and, and we begin, you know, we, we, somehow we just feel like we never seem to measure up even though we didn't do it. We feel responsible. And, you know, you, you can see this in families many times that, that, that children will, you know, one of the children will take on one of the roles. They'll become the mother or they'll become the daddy or they'll beca- take that role on because somehow they feel responsible that I've got to do that. And that hurts their growth. We're talking about who's your daddy Who's your daddy? We're talking about identity this morning. That God made us in His image. He made us to have fellowship with Him, to be accepted by Him, to feel confident in our life because we're connected to Him, to be effective in whatever He's called us to do in our walk in life. This is what God called us to be. He he said this is the image of God that He has come to remake in us through the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And so it is both instantaneous in the new birth, but it's also what? A process in our growth. Isn't that right? You could hang a sign, really there's an invisible sign on, hanging on all of us that says under construction. <laughs> Isn't that right? The biggest room in my life is the room for improvement. How about you? <laughs> God's still working on me. But, you know, it starts here because there's so many things in our culture, uh, in our background that's screaming to say, this is your identity. This is, your, this is who you are. You're no good. You'll never measure up. 
You can't do it. All the shame you feel, all that stuff. Somebody, something, somewhere, somebody is going to be, you know, is going to become your daddy, either the real daddy or a surrogate daddy, somebody, somewhere. And you're going to, whoever you identify with strongly like that, eventually you're going to begin to emulate. That is good, isn't it? (laughs) It's the truth. That's why it's good. That's the way it is. So here's the thing. Are you living in shadow land? Shadowland. You know, Shadowland, that word just means a, a place that is where the ghosts live, where the woo, spirits live, things like that. That's what Shadowland means. But you know, if we're living an identity that's not connected to God, that's really what we're doing. We're living with the ghost of the past, the ghost of uh, maybe uh, the way we were raised, whatever. We're, our connection is with those things. And so really what you're doing is you're living in shadow land. You're living in a place that God never intended for you. You remember, if you read on over there in Genesis 3, you remember there came a time when Adam and Eve made an independent decision. You ever made one of those independent decisions? Man, I have. By that I mean, you know, doing what you think's best. You didn't, you didn't take time to pray about it. You didn't take time to seek out wise counsel. You just kind of made a decision. Anybody ever made one, any of those kind of decisions? Any of those kind of like mine sometimes didn't turn out too good? The other kind's better, isn't it? When we, we take time to pray about it, when we take time to, to seek some wise counsel about it, those decisions turn out a little better. But they made an independent decision. They decided that, you know, that they were going to eat from the tree in the garden. You know the, the story where God said not to do it. So they made an independent decision, didn't they? See, if they'd made a decision in God, they, wouldn't have never, they would never have done that because God says, don't eat that. It's not good for you. Well, immediately when, you know, just like us, as soon as you tell somebody, don't do it, guess what rises up? I don't want to do it. (laughs) Why not? They must be keeping something from me. No, it's pretty good. But see, when they made that decision, and you can go on and read that there, God came down in the, the cool of the day. And the implication here is this was a habit with them that, that daddy came down and they had fellowship with him in, guard, in the garden. It, well, right after they ate from that, their eyes were open, the scripture says, and he came down and he began to call for them to, to have fellowship with them. But it says Adam said that they were full of fear and they hid themselves. Now, all of a sudden, instead of identifying with Papa, and enjoying that identification, what happened? They're living in shadow land. They're living in a place of fear. They're hiding. They're trying to create their own independent identity from God now. They, they, you know, they made some clothes from, you know, some uh, fig bushes or whatever. They, made some, they tried to make some clothes for themselves. They tried to have their own identity, didn't they? They were living in shadow land. And God found them. And he said, here's what we're going to do. He said, he, said, he said, there are repercussions here. But he said, from this moment forward, I'm going to begin to work to reconnect you back to me. So that you can come home again and I can become your daddy and you can reconnect with your identity. And that's really 
what Christianity is about. Christianity is not about rules. It's not about regulations. It's not about commandments. It's about reconnecting by the grace of Jesus Christ through what he did on Calvary. It's our ability to reconnect again with our Papa and restore our proper identity. Family of God. That's what, that's what we are. It's a family of God. And you know who God wants in his family? Everybody. <laughs> For God so loved those special folks that's got it all together. No. <laughs> if that had been the case, I'd have never qualified. Identification. So here's the thing this morning. I'm stating the case, but we're going to come out of that. Now, what happens here? Because of this disconnection, because man's living in shadow land, I'm talking about humanity as a race, we're living there, then uh, we begin to, just like Adam and Eve, we realize something's not right. See, they, they realize all of a sudden, before when God came down, they were perfectly comfortable in God's presence, weren't they? They were confident. They, 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 they were eager and ready and anticipated God's visit and that relationship. But all of a sudden, something happened. They weren't totally sure what it was, but they knew something was different now. They were living in a place of fear, in a place of hiding, in shadow land. And so the whole human race come into that. And what happens is when we are severed from our identity, we go about to set up our own. And that brings us to a place where we start to keep up what I call keeping up appearances. We cover up. They covered up with some kind of fig leaves or whatever they made garments out of. They hid from God. They were living in shadow land. They'd made independent decisions. It cost them. And now all of a sudden they're finding themselves in this place to where without an identity. See, we were made to have an identity. You're going to find somebody's going to become a role model for you. Somebody that you're going to look to. Maybe a best friend. Maybe, like I said, some well-known figure in the sports, entertainment, political field, whatever it is. But you're going to be looking somewhere for somebody to connect to because what? We all were made to have an identity. And so, keeping up appearances. Now, I, I, I talked about one of my points on here is James, John, and Mom. James, John, and Mom. Do you remember this story? Let's turn over there and read it. Matthew 20. We're talking about creating our own identity. There are different ways that we all go about doing it. Now, here's James and John. You know, they were two of Jesus' disciples. And in uh, verse 20 here, we're going to read that. It says, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left hand in your kingdom. Now what was, what, 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 what was mom trying to do here? She was trying to connect her boys. She was trying, like moms do, she was trying to take care of her boys. And so she came to Jesus. She said, now, Jesus, uh, you know, before she ever asked, she said, I want you to do whatever I ask you. You ever tried some of those prayers? Yeah, you get about the same results here. He said, well, what is it you want me to do for you? And she said that. Notice he said, you don't know what you're asking. <laughs> 
And he goes on to say, can you drink the cup? And they said, yes, we can. Jesus said, you will indeed drink from the cup, but to sit on my right hand or left is not for me to grant. These places belong for those whom they have been prepared by my father. Now notice verse 24. When the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Now you know why they were indignant, don't you? Because they didn't think of it first. Man, I wish I'd have got my mom to come here. I wish I got my mom to take care of things. And so, you know, sometimes we're looking for people, because we don't have an identity, we're looking for people to fix it. Fix it for me. Fix it for me. I believe in our culture right now, this is a big thing that we're, we're dealing with in our culture. Well, There's a reason we, you know, so much of the political correctness and all that, all that really is stemming about because what? We have no identity. So we're looking for somebody to make me feel good about myself again, somebody to build a confidence in me again, somebody to, to be a safety net for me. I need an identity. And so uh, it's unfortunate because the church hasn't done what she should be doing. Hello. And I'm, ta- I'm not just talking about this show. I'm talking about the body of Christ. And so because of that, we lack identity, so we're looking for identity somewhere else. So guess who steps in and says, we're going to create an identity for you? The culture. Our culture. The values of our culture, whether they're set up uh, by, you know, whatever uh, a government may be, be doing the, or the entertainment industry or whatever it might be. There's a culture that's out there, and it says, let us tell you who you are. We'll be glad to tell you who you are. Go to this website. We'll tell you who you are. Go over here. We'll tell you who you are. And see, this is what happened with James, John, and Mom. They were looking for somebody to fix it for them. I'm feeling insecure. I'm afraid. All these things are going on. I don't know who I am. So we're looking for somebody. Tell me who I am. Tell me how wonderful I am. Whatever it is. But I need somebody to reassure me. And I can promise you this. There will not be a vacuum in this area for very long. Because if God is not your identity, Father God's not your identification, something else will be. And someone else will establish it for you. Well, I don't want, you know, I don't want, you know, I love you and I appreciate you. But I don't want somebody that has the same propensity of weaknesses that I have to decide, you know, what my identity is going to be. I mean, I love you, but, you know, I wouldn't want you to operate on me either. (laughs) I mean, you know, some things we're qualified to, to do. Some things are above our pay grade, right? And establishing my identity is above what? Anybody's pay grade except what? The Father God. He wants to establish that. That you have an identity. The second thing I call, and we're talking about establishing in our own identity, and really what we're doing is just like Adam and Eve, we're hiding. We're hiding from the person that we're supposed to be connecting to so he can establish our true identity. And I call, I just call this the Jekyll Hyde syndrome. Everybody, everybody familiar with with, uh, the story, you know, about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jekyll was this meek, you know 
person, you know, smart and intelligent, but very, you know, he was very meek and mild and, you know, and had some security, insecurities and things like that. So he, he, you know, he invents this ceremony. When he takes it, his alter ego becomes, you know, outgoing and strong and everything. But the problem is his alter ego goes way beyond what the intended consequences were. You know about that? And what I mean by this in, in applying this in a, in a kind of a symbolic way is this, is that we can have a public persona, but a private reality. And that happens a lot in church, you know. Now, don't get offended when I use this term, but, you know, we come on Sunday mornings and at 1030, when we, we come through those doors, you know, a spell is cast over us. Now, don't get all uptight. And all of a sudden, there's a transformation. Just like Dr. Jekyll drank his formula. <laughs> and da 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 Super Saint is here. Isn't that right? We put on our smile. We got all the lingo down. Hey, brother, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed, man. I'm doing great. How you doing? And then... You know, just like his formula only had, you know, a shelf life of so long, when we go out the doors and we get in our car, uh, something else happens. Am I meddling? I done gone to meddling now, hadn't I? But, the, you know, it may be, the, or it may be, you know, an area where we're struggling at. And many times, listen, let me tell you something. In the church, we've enabled that. We've enabled that kind of behavior. We don't want anybody to be too real with us. Don't, ah, don't, don't be getting all real on me here now. I mean, when I ask how you are, I just want that Christian answer. I really don't want to know how you are. Can I get a witness? <laughs> I mean, I just, you know... Ooh, man, I what's wrong with them? They really told me what <laughs> They're not doing too good. Hey, we don't say that in church. We're all great. Great. How you? Great. Fine. Wonderful. <laughs> Jekyll Hyde syndrome. See, we're all trying to hide. Why? Because what? Where's our identity? Our identity is in having it all together. I mean, that's what Christians do. Isn't that right? I'm a Christian. I mean, especially if we are spirit-filled Christians, we know we got it all together. Or we ought to, or we should have by now. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm, t I'm doing, this is, this is pretty good. It's right where we live, isn't it? And then here's what, another way we hide. It's what I call the Pharisee facade. A place to hide. You know, it wasn't, I don't think that the Pharisees started out trying to be, you know, they were very legalistic in Jesus' day. I mean, extremely legalistic. You, you can read, like, after Josephus or some people like that were early church historians, and I mean, you, you just, you cannot believe when Jesus said they, they, they strained it at that and swallowed a camel. I mean, he was telling it like it was. 
I mean, if you had a, had a, a pen of a certain size, I'm just talking about a small pen that was holding a, you know, part of your garment together or something like that, and you wore it. If it was over a certain size and length on the Sabbath day, that was carrying a burden. You were guilty. If a man spit on the Sabbath day, spit on the ground, and it created a, a fur of a certain length, you were working. You were guilty. This is the way they were. Oh, legalist, legalist, legalist. You got to do everything just right, just right, just right, just right, just right. Eat right, prepare it right, wash it right, think right, do this right, do that right, do this right, do that right. You know, and all they were doing is they were just carrying on what Adam did. They were hiding behind their self-righteousness. Because, see, when I come to God, when I come to Jesus, just like Adam, I've got to admit to him who I am. God, I'm afraid. I saw what I had become, and I was ashamed, and I was afraid to let anybody know. So I create this pharisaical facade to look so righteous. And I project onto other people my own insecurities, the things that are, that are not right in my own life. I project that in a harsh, judgmental way on others that I see the same faults in them that I know is in me. Is this too hard on a Sunday morning? Oh, Pastor, I want you to tell me how wonderful we are. I'm getting to that. Don't worry. But sometimes, you know, we've got to take off the mask first, don't we? <laughs> you know, and they really, just this pharisaical facade is all about our insecurities, our weaknesses. We're hi- That's all we're doing is we're hiding behind that. I want you to make, I want to make you, my, you think this is who I am. This is my identity. I'm just wonderful. And all the time we're thinking, oh my gosh, let me away from that person. You ever been around somebody like that? A legalist? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, this pharisaical legalist? Man, I mean, your initial reaction is, get me away. If you see them coming, you almost want to cross the street. Man, here they come. You know, you, you, you'd almost think, you know, it's going to be God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and them in heaven, and that's it. <laughs> you know, four rambling around in that big city, you know, <laughs> New Jerusalem. <laughs> but, you know, if we would just get a little more insight, we'd realize, you know what? They're afraid. They're insecure, just like a lot of us. It's just being manifest in a different way. They're hiding their identity in a different way. They're hiding their identity in a different way. So that leads us, okay, to the cure. What's the cure for this identity that causes us to hide, that wants to make us hide, that either, you know, goes about getting somebody else to establish an identity for us, or we get caught in the Jekyll Hyde syndrome, or maybe we've got the Pharisee facade on? What do we do for that? Well, I'm glad you asked. You know, there's a program on television right now called The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead, yeah. Now, I've never watched it, but I've seen the commercials, you know. And I know enough about it to know that, you know, that, that, that some kind of, a, you know, a viral pathogen gets in and reanimates, you know, the corpses of people. And they're all, you know, because I've seen the commercials, you know, they're not. They're all, you know, half decayed, you know, you know, and everybody's running from them. And, you know, and they're called the walking dead. 
And, you know, and anybody they attack and bite, they become a walking dead person too. But, you know, it's interesting. I want you to read over in Galatians 2.20 that when we go about trying to establish our own identity, we really, spiritually speaking, are the walking dead. Because God's not animating us. God's not our identity. God's not the one that uh, has uh, complete control in our lives. And so what we do is we become what? Walking dead. Because the Bible, doesn't the Bible teach us that we are spiritually dead men? So we're the walking dead. We've lost our connection to the Father. We've lost our identity from the Father. We've lost our purpose, our confidence, our effectiveness. So we're walking around with all this, some of us with the pharisaical facade, some of us with the Jekyll Hyde thing, some of us trying to find somebody else to establish our identity for us. We're in all this stuff, and we're all blindly groping around, and we're like the walking dead. But I've got good news for you. There is a cure. Hallelujah. Galatians 2, I'm going to read this from the message. Listen to this, 2.20. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with Him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego, that's the key, is no longer central. What, What drives me to cover up? My ego. I want you to think more highly of me than I really am. I'm concerned about your opinion of me. Isn't that what he goes about? But he said, I've, he said, I've completely identified with Christ now. My ego is no longer central. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. Don't you like that? I love that. And I'm no longer driven to impress God either. Christ lives in me. Here's the cure. Christ lives in me. A new identity. A new identity. The life you see me living is not mine, but is lived by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not... See, you, you, you can't see that identity. You, you see flashes of it at times. Don't you? And then sometimes we see ego. God's working on us to come to that point. But it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not going back on that. I'm not going back on that. Listen, my identity comes from what? My reconnection to the Father by faith in Jesus Christ. The regenerating work of God's grace and Holy Spirit in my life. In your life, what? Has reconnected me back to the Father. And in Christ, my identity is now reconnected. Repurposed. You know, we talk about repurposing things. We're going to repurpose this or repurpose it. I'm telling you what. If you're a believer, your life's been repurposed. You're no longer the walking dead. You are alive in Christ. And your identity has been reestablished and reconnected in God. 
said, I'm not going to go on back. It's back on that. It's not clear. Is it not clear to you that to go back to that old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? I refuse to do that. This is Paul talking. I refuse to do that, to repudiate God's grace. If a living relationship with God could come by rule-keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. So here's the thing. I've got a new identity as a believer, and that identity stems from the Lord Jesus Christ reconnecting me back to the Father. Now, that's where my identity comes from. So if I want to know who I am and what my purpose is and what my identity is, I find out from the book, the Bible, what God says about me now that I am in Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things he says about you, he says that, that you are now righteous. What does that mean? That means that you are in right standing with God. There's no I to dot, no T to cross, so that you can be in better right standing with God. See, that's, that's that Phariseeism. There must, oh, there's got to be more than that. I, I know there must be much more that I need to do. I mean, I've got to sweat it. I've got to work hard. I've got to, I've got to you know, get the do's and the do column and the don'ts and the don't column, and I've got to balance it all out, don't I? Don't go back to being one of the walking dead. He said, we have a new identity. Isn't that right? Reconnected. Christ-driven. Christ-centered. Not ego-centered. You know, this is probably not a revelation to you, but you know, you're not perfect yet. I say that because maybe that will set some of us at ease. Come on. If you think I'm kidding, ask your best friend or your spouse. They can tell you. We're not perfect yet. But we are accepted in the beloved. We're accepted in the family of God. That's my identity. I am in right standing with God. God has forgiven me. I'm accepted by Him. I belong to Him. Now, since my identity is reestablished, guess what else is going to be reestablished? My purpose. And by that I mean my confidence. All of a sudden I don't have to feel inferior anymore. I don't have to feel that I'm no good anymore. I've got what? The right connection with the Father. Remember we said, who's your daddy? I'm telling you, daddy's going to set my identity. Daddy wants to set your identity through Christ Jesus. No guilt. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that right? No guilt. No condemnation. What? That's part of my identity. Now, listen, God's still working in all of us. We're still walking this thing out. That's true. But from God's point of view and from the Scripture point of view, it is a settled thing as far as our relationship and our connection to God. Now we're walking out that identity, just like Adam did before he ever sinned in the garden. I have a purpose. I have confidence. I can be effective in whatever God's called me to do. Why? Because I'm connected to Him. Didn't the Apostle Paul say it this way? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
That was his identity. He was the one we were reading from here in Galatians 2.20. He also said this in Colossians 3.3. He said, your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life. See, I'm going to live the real life that God's given me, that my identity in Christ Jesus. No more of this alter ego stuff of, of a pharisaical Jekyll Hyde existence. I'm going to live in my real, true life, my real identity, which is what? In Christ Jesus. Even though, listen, he said, your new life, which is your real life, even though it's invisible to spectators. See, you only see the outward part of me. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's other things. Come on. Isn't that right? Even the Apostle Paul said, he said, I have to keep my body under. I have to keep it in control. You know, I said this before in one of our teachings. You know, you know, the next time you get angry, instead of giving somebody a piece of your mind, give them a piece of your fruit. Remember the fruit of the Spirit's love, joy, long-suffering, and so forth. Give them a piece of fruit instead of a piece of your mind. So here's the thing. No more having to measure up. Because, you know, that's a... I mean, when you get in that thing about, oh, i got to measure up, i got to measure there's no end to that. There's no end to that. It's like, it's like a fire. Once you start a fire, if you don't keep putting wood on it, that thing's going to die out, isn't it? I mean, you got to stay up. You can't get no rest because you got to keep That's the way it is when you're trying to measure up all the time. And he says, one last scripture, and we're going to pray here in just a moment. I'm closing right now. In Hebrews 4.10, listen to this. This is what so many people in the body of Christ need. Hebrews 4.10, listen to this. He said, we'll back up to verse 9. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own works. Identity. When my identity is connected back to God, you know what there is? There is rest. In my soul, there's peace. There's freedom from the nagging, 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 nagging voice that says, you know, you're not measuring up. You're not measuring up. You're not doing it right. You didn't get it right. You forgot this. You forgot that. Blah, 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 blah. You know that voice? Or is it there? Maybe they're all over at my house. So you got rest. You hear that voice sometimes? Yes, we do, don't we? So what are we going to do? Here's some things I would suggest to you, some action steps you could take this week. First of all, get the right connection. Recognize that you're not responsible for the sins of your earthly father. You don't have to feel shame. You don't have to feel, feel like, you know, that, that, that you're taking on all the weight of those things that your father, your mother, your parents did. See, because, yes, there's an identity there, of course, because there are parents but you don't have to bear that. You don't have to bear the shame of that. You don't have to, you know, you need to give that to God. Say, God, I'm giving this to you. And I, I'm not going to be, if, if it was a, a bad, you know, I'm talking about a bad. Some of us, maybe some people had wonderful parents. God bless you. You're a blessed. You, you may not realize, if you don't realize I bless you, I'll come talk to me. I can tell you. You are blessed. And we're, we're delighted for you. 
but for the majority of us, we probably had parents maybe. maybe Anybody besides me grow up with just one parent in the home? Anybody? Wow. You guys were blessed. An abusive parent? How about a parent was, that was there but wasn't there? Well, see, you, can still, you know what I mean by that. They weren't engaged, were they? You don't have to carry that with you. You give that to God. Then second, stop hiding from daddy. This is the hard one. Because we feel like some of this stuff, we have brought it on, and we feel like this is part of our Christian walk and identity now. I can't, oh, I can't, I can't stop doing that. I wouldn't be a very much, I, w- I would be a horrible Christian if I, if I didn't do all this do's and don'ts stuff. Well, and there's your ego again. You got to come to God and say, here, we're going to strip it down. We're just going to strip it down to what it is. I'm connected to you, Daddy. And if it's not about my identity with the Father God through Jesus, then you know what? I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need to please you. You don't need to please me. That's all ego stuff. That's all re- that gets us into that pharisaical facade and this Jekyll Hyde stuff. And we're just, you know, we're smiling on Sunday and we're miserable the rest of the week. So stop hiding from daddy. Don't be afraid. He's not going to condemn you. You know, when you tell him something, it's not when he finds out. <laughs> I know that's obvious, but sometimes it just needs to be said, doesn't it? (laughs) Then finally, connect your identity to the Father in Christ. Connect your identity to the Father in Christ. That's really, that's what we're talking about. We're we're talking about limiting your limitations. See, all these, uh, these other things that we talked about, when we let someone or something else create our identity, it limits me. It limits me. It limits me in, in, in building friendships and relationships. It limits me in being productive in, in whatever uh, job or career that God, calling God has given me. It limits us in so many ways. And it becomes, really, it becomes like we have all these spiritual and, and identity handicaps. And it holds us back from our potential. And it certainly keeps us from having peace and rest that God has designed us for. Not striving, but resting. Isn't that a good thought? Just rest. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.